This episode of Dear Anxiety is brought to you by GoZen, creators of online social and emotional learning programs for kids, parents, professionals, and schools. Do you or your kids face emotional challenges? Visit GoZen.com to start transforming stress, anxiety, and anger into confidence, courage, and resilience. Okay. Well, we're going to start right at the top. You're listening to Dear Anxiety. You might ask, what is Dear Anxiety? I know what anxiety is, but what is Dear Anxiety? Dear Anxiety is a show where we, Rini Jane and myself, Ed Krasnick, we co-host this show where we talk about how we relate to our thoughts and feelings, mental well-being, emotional fitness, how we manage to deal with everyday life with what goes on inside our heads, what goes on inside our minds and our hearts, and we give you skills that you can use to help you with these things. We're all in the same boat. No one's an expert, really, except for Rini. She's coming up in just a minute. But on today's show, we're going to be talking about something that is a great subject and something that maybe people don't talk openly enough about, and that is popularity. Now, popularity... What is it to you? How do you handle it? What do you do? How does it affect your mental health, your mental well-being, your emotional self, and how you think of yourself and how you function in the world? Let's talk about popularity. And joining me as as, as every week, and thank God she's here, is uh, Rini Jane. And Rini has a company that teaches resilience skills to kids and adults all over the world through animation, creative play, wonderful interactive games and exercises. It's called GoZen, G-O-Z-E-N.com. And Rini studied applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania with Dr. Martin Seligman, who is considered the father of applied positive psychology. I am the mother of Jewish funk. And, and that's a different... <laughs> That's not the same kind of title that he has, but it's, believe me, there's been a lot that's gone into it. But Rainy, you're the queen of super heavy funk. What's going on with you this week? That's and, right. Yeah. I am the queen of super heavy funk. <laughs> and you what, know what I... <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what I did this week? I do something I don't normally do. I try to leave you know, pretty decent gaps in my calendar uh, between interviews and talking to people and meetings and, you know, things like that. Just some downtime padding during the workday so I can take a breather. And I didn't do that this week. I have like, it's all color coded and it looks like a rainbow and it's pretty. It kind of looks like candy, but I am a little loopy. I am not going to lie. Yeah. I'm yeah. Glad I'm that like you're back not... to back to back to back. Yeah. yeah. And you get loopy. I'm loopy in the same way. I, with me, it's it's no, uh, I don't sleep at all. So I am, you know, I'm hallucinating, but I'm also having some meaningful interactions with people that aren't there. What do you um, mean you don't sleep at all? You must sleep a little bit. I You're do. not a vampire. No, no, I do. I do. I do sleep. When I'm not drinking blood, I sleep. But <laughs> But no, I do sleep. But it's like, it's just not enough. I don't think it's five hours a night. Oh, that's not enough. And it's just like it's it's sleeping, but then you wake up and you're like you feel like you're in a in kind of a war or something. But last night, listen, I could go on with this for a long time. But, well, but you should listen to our podcast on sleep deprivation. Okay. Now, now, so today we're going to talk about popularity. Now, you strike me as someone 
who would be, a, you're certainly very popular now, but you were probably popular in school, I'm going to guess. I, I was extremely unpopular, my friend. <laughs> How did that, well, well, like, talk about that. What did that, what did that do to you? How did that manifest itself? And how does that, how do you think that affects you know, most people, what do you see in your professional work about how people deal with popularity? I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm taking a deep breath right now because I'm literally having a visceral reaction to the questions that you're asking me. I feel like when we talk about popularity, when you say the word popularity when or popular, that this is not an uncommon thing for an adult. We are transported back to a time in our life when that word was used a lot or very meaningful to us. And it may even be meaningful now. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that research was just so interesting. But yeah, I was unpopular. And what that meant meant was <laughs> I didn't have a ton of friends. I wasn't in the it group. Actually, there was a group of girls and guys in my school and they were actually called the group. Imagine that for a name. So that, yeah, I wasn't in the group, uh, nor was I <laughs> nowhere near the, you know, on the, on the hierarchy in our school, I was at the bottom of the totem pole really. And I remember things happening like this boy named Scott. I know his last name, but I won't say it. Not that he's listening, but it's you, Scott Rubin. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Rubin, one of the most popular people in the world. <laughs> he was pretty popular where we went to school. And one day, it was uh, seventh grade. I was closing my locker, I was putting my books in, it was closing it up, it was like twisting the lock. And he was standing right there and I was like, Ooh. and he looked at me and I will never forget this. He just looked at me and I didn't know what he wanted. I, you know, I was kind of taken aback that he was staring. And he said, I quote, you are one of the ugliest people I've ever seen. Oh my That's God. That's what he said to me. And I'm, I can, you know, many years later, right now, so we're going like 30 years later or whatever. I remember it. I remember the words. I remember what I was wearing, what he was wearing, the color of the lockers. Like I remember it's deeply every, every sense has retained the experience and I can recall it. I can even recall sort of the smell of the hallway. <laughs> and that was part of my experience growing up. I was, you know, there was some, there was a little bit of bullying. I wouldn't say I was a, you know, a complete victim of bullying consistently. There was a little bit of bullying, but I was, and I definitely had some friends, but I was certainly not popular. Let me say to Scott Rubin, first of all, shame on you. I don't like to say shame on you because I don't wish anybody shame. But in your case, I'll make an exception. Anybody who can say that to anybody has something going on with them that is very dangerous to yourself and to other people. So that's just a time in your life. I'm hoping that you've transcended that. But Scott Rubin, you are now required to call and make a personal apology on this show. And I'm inviting you, even if your name is Scott Rubin, but you did not say that, you must still write in to us and apologize. I want your apology. Yes. Thank you for that. That was very healing, actually. Yeah. I'm going to, because I'm, I'm, uh, after the show, after we stop taping the show today, I'm actually driving to Scott Rubin's house. <laughs> no, I feel like, of course, that's a, that's a statement. That person feels very poorly about themselves. 
Yes, um, you know, so much underneath that. Yeah, absolutely. Either self-hatred or perhaps he felt pressured to do it. You know, maybe there, you know, I vaguely remember some people in the background kind of staring. And yeah, so you asked me about my experience and I'm bringing that up because, you know, I remember, we all remember points of pain in our life that are just crystal clear in our mind. But I do remember struggling socially. I do remember not being that popular. And recently I had the pleasure of talking to Dr. Mitch Prinstein, and he wrote a book called Popular. So yes, he is a professor out of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and he has done all his research on popularity. And so normally when we do the show, we lean on a mix of research. You know, we're talking about a lot of different pieces of research or experiences from our life. But in this episode in particular, I'm going to be talking a lot about his work. So he wrote a book called Popular. It is super interesting. But, you know, before we dive into that, I would like to ask you, Ed, about your experience. Were you, Mr popular? Most popular person on earth. No, I I will tell you that I have been popular in my life, but I will also tell you that I made a lot of effort. Like it wasn't popularity that was coming out of me being relaxed and sort of being who I am, although some of it may be. It was popularity out of entertaining people and being very focused on that. So, yeah, I, I was not a real school kid. I skipped school a lot and I went to the movies. So even when I was in detention, I didn't hear it for skipping school because I was busy being at the movies. So I was sort of a school phobic at one point in my high school years. But I was very popular in a, in a youth group, Jewish youth group and community in, in outside of Boston. And I was pretty popular in school, too. I just couldn't. But I would say I was concerned with it. I was I was efforting. And so I was funny. And so I could make people laugh. And that made me popular. But I also didn't like myself that much. So while I may have been popular with other people, I was not very, very good to myself. Mm, so that's you can be interesting. Popular. Yeah, so there's effort. There's like people who are popular and they're just popular for being who they are. And then there's other people who know how to become popular. Yes, um, you work the system. I worked it, yeah. Yes. It with, with humor. But I think that there's not enough emphasis on, and we talk about this all the time, you know, what am I telling myself? You know, it would be good to be popular with myself because it just is a very painful way to go. There's a lot of struggle with trying, efforting to be popular. Yes. Efforting to be popular. Yeah. And you should be popular with yourself. You should be the most popular person in your head right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Yeah. So you know what's really interesting? So I'm listening mindfully to what you're saying and I'm trying to figure out and I feel like I already knew the answer to this. But so Dr. Princeton, the researcher who wrote the book Popular, talks about two different kinds of popularity, which is super interesting because I never thought there were different kinds of popularity. I think it's a pretty intuitive word and one we're so familiar with and that's used so regularly that we don't really think about the definition of what is popular. And he says that, you know, anyone who's kind of been to high school remembers the popular types, the athletes, the cheerleaders, you know, maybe the kids with lots of resources, or maybe parents who held high profile positions in the community. He says that this is a type of popularity that social scientists reflect as status. 
And status mm. is not a measure of how well-liked a person is, but it's rather of dominance, of power, influence, like, uh, you know, visibility. So a person with status is not necessarily likable, but they're still mm. popular. The second type of popularity actually reflects likability, which is the one I feel, Ed, that you definitely fall into. You're really very likable person. And, you know, interestingly, the research shows that likability can be seen from as young an age as three, right? Age three. So from, and, and it can continue on. So then when they do research studies and they study kids of a very young age, and then they follow them through their life, they can see likability at three, at 13, at 23, at 103. And it is that type of popularity that is what we should genuinely care about. Because even teaching young children about likability and and what that means and how they can go about being more likable rather than being status obsessed can be life-changing. So now I want to talk about why it can be life-changing. But mm -hmm. any comments on that? Isn't that interesting? So there's status and then there's likability, two types of popularity. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I think that there is an essence in somebody. I feel like every like if if somebody is is relaxed about who they are, which I don't know if there is such a person, if that's like a natural thing, but there is a like a natural likability to to that person. I feel like if you can catch somebody for who they are, you really will get to know about that. But I'll, I'll, I'll digress and just say one thing. Albert Brooks, the comedian and the filmmaker, I saw him on a panel once, and here's how he positioned popularity. He said, popularity's overrated. Here's why. In the 1950s, General Motors made the most popular cars in America, and people's heads went right through that windshield. <laughs> and that's how he described <laughs> popularity. <laughs> So, yes. So yeah. the popular thing is not always the best thing. It's right? not always the best thing. No. But here is the fascinating thing that based on this research. So if you actually are likable and were likable, those children grow up to have greater academic success, stronger interpersonal relationships. They make more money in their jobs. And those who have the status, right? There, or so those who weren't popular, right, are at much greater risk for substance abuse, obesity, anxiety, depression, you know, a whole bunch of other things that are not so great. Now, again, you know, we understand that popularity can change the wiring of the brain. And one thing that I found out of his research that is so amazing is that even at a later stage in life, like now for you and I, Ed. Sorry, sorry to say that we're a later stage in life. <laughs> well, no, you're not. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I have like a week or two. <laughs> End game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Even at a later stage in life, the way that we perceive our popularity and the experience that we had growing up affects our behavior in the now. It, it affects our behavior in the now. So one of the things that it affects is the way that we see other people. You know. I have learned to be much less suspect of other people, but that is my, that was my take on the world after growing up sort of in the situations that I did. And so one thing happens is, you know, you grow up, a lot of times my mom would say to me, don't worry about it if you're popular now, it'll make no difference when you grow up. Well, the research shows different. What it shows is that 
I might go into a social situation and maybe I don't make as much eye contact. Maybe I perceive what other people are doing as being more closed off than they actually are based on the experience I had growing up. So Hmm. essentially what it does is it creates a bias or a filter on the way that we perceive social interactions in our life. So why is this important? Because something that happened to us long ago can affect how we're behaving now. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is self-awareness. So just the awareness of that can dissipate the bias. Does that hmm. make sense? It does. I know, just, yeah, okay. Just the awareness can dissipate the bias. So I'm aware that that this is how, what I thought about myself when I was growing up. And so I'm aware that those that that suspectness about about others is going to come into play, and I have to check that. I mean, I did notice something about you that was interesting, and and of course, you know, I don't think anybody ever really sees themselves without you know some kind of awareness or some kind of deep deep uh, introspection on a on a consistent basis. But you're very popular in in your in your field in what you do. So I remember going to a conference with you and you walking in the room and it was like Mick Jagger had come in. It was like this <laughs> str- it was like you were extremely popular and people wanted to seek you out and your attitude was like I don't even know what they're talking about. So it was kind of interesting to me. It was like you really didn't realize your own you didn't really see it or get it. But yeah. you really are. In your field you're extremely popular. I mean, I think thank you. Well, I don't know if I should say thank you because that feels like an odd thing to say thank you to, but thank you for noticing, I will say. And I think that a lot of times, you know, what has really resonated is I, it took me a long time to put myself out there authentically to talk about my, to be vulnerable, to have the courage to be vulnerable and say, this is what happened to me, you know, as I was growing up, these are the experiences that I had. And I think once you do that, all of a sudden... People are like, wait a second, I had that same experience or my child is having that experience and thank you for talking about it. And so it's just really the de-stigmatization of all of these mental health things and wellness and illness and things that maybe we didn't talk about before that I'm able to talk about. And so that I feel like is attracting people. But yeah, you know what? You know what the other interesting thing is, is that and I will say this and I'll say it without feeling like I'm bragging because I don't think I am actually a pretty likable person, you know, and I feel like I've probably always been a likable person, but I wasn't I didn't have the confidence to show up as who I was in school and in different social situations because of the social anxiety that I experienced. So I don't think people really got to know the real me and it may have contributed to the lack of popularity. You know, but I want to not make this all about me. Mm -hmm. I would like to definitely talk about the parents that are listening, the kids that are listening, the educators that are listening and Everybody who's really, really concerned because look, we're wired for this, right? We're wired to want to belong. We're wired to want to connect and we're wired to want to be liked. And so this idea of popularity is really important to a lot of kids and that's okay. But we should talk about, you know, when we're not where we think we should be, when we're not as popular as we believe we should be. Can we actually change that? That's an interesting question because if you if you have a child who maybe doesn't have a lot of friends or maybe doesn't have any friends or maybe you're isolated or maybe your kid feels isolated, 
what do you do? How do you relate that? Can a person like that feel likable? And how do they not take it on personally? And how do you stimulate likability? Is likability a natural thing? Is it a byproduct of being who you are? Or is it, a, is it something where you're shining in, 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 in being, you know, in your personality? I mean, is everybody likable? That's a question I have. Is everybody likable? So I think we can look at a few things. One is when we're talking about popularity based on status, a lot of times there is a an aggressive nature that comes, I won't, let's not use the word nature, there's an aggressive behavior that is associated with that. So essentially, you know, you don't want to be the aggressive, the ag- an aggressive child or manifest your need for status in terms of aggression. So essentially, if your kid is, let's say, quote unquote, popular, but a lot of that is coming with power, aggression, the need for visibility, then that's something that needs to be worked on. Now, your a question was, are we just born likable? Can we develop likability? And this is something that I was super interested in too. And it it turns out that you absolutely can teach kids to be more likable. Now, there's two different things. One is how do you approach the conversation with kids, right? How do you approach the conversation about being likable? Are you actually saying to your child, well, you know, you're not that likable and so we need to work on that? Probably not, right? (laughs) It's not the way to approach it. But some of the things that make people likable is they are inclusive. And so a question that we can ask to our kids, depending on the age of the child, and I got this tip from Dr. Princeton is, how did you include someone today? Right. So when my kids, when I go and pick them up from school today, they're five and six, I'm going to ask them, you know, can you, can you guys tell me about your day? And were you included in something? And how did you include others and things that you played today. So my son loves the monkey bar. So maybe I'll bring that up. And how do you connect with people? What kind of connections are you making? How did you value someone today? So some of these are a little bit for, for kids that are a little bit older. And of course, you have to change the language to make it relevant to them. But these are things that those with the traits of likability, these are the things that the actions they take. So you're saying giving, not getting. The likability is about what you give and not what you get. Yeah, and I think you get when you give. Another piece of research that came out of this book, Popular, that I think is really interesting is Dr. Princeton does this experiment with his kids in class, and he will make them all wear hot, like something really vibrant, like a really hot pink shirt. All 200 kids will wear it, and it'll say, like, I'm the most popular kid on campus. <laughs> it'll say something that gets attention, essentially. And what he shows that, you know, some of these kids had never considered themselves popular. But once they are in a position where they're getting attention, you know, so they're quote unquote popular on the campus for the day, that they're they're getting attention and people are behaving in a different way than they normally do toward them. And then what happens is, is that their behavior changes. And I'm speaking to your question about giving and getting because when you're inclusive, right, when you make connections, when you value people, that changes the way they behave toward you. And then you change the way you behave toward them. They change the way you, it's like, it's a loop. It's a positive feedback loop. And so it's not, I think, just about giving. I think it's about reciprocity. Yeah. I I, I feel like this is the cornerstone of community. This is what, this is what community building is. I mean, if I were teaching in a school today, 
I would literally have a whole course of study that's called community. And it's the skills of community building. And it's about these things. It's about valuing other people. It's about including other people. It's about how to build bridges with your conversation. It's about how to bring others into it, into the group. These are things that people uh, don't have opportunities as much as maybe they used to, or maybe they don't take the opportunities because you're too busy, you know, focusing on a phone or focusing on a, a video game or something that distracts you. There's a lot of emphasis on distraction these days, not a lot of emphasis on inclu- inclusion. It's, it's a lot about distraction. It's about the other day. I mean, this was, this was kind of an, an interesting experiment. I took uh, Shana to Disneyland and I left my phone in the car. I just left it. I, I forgot it. And so there were long periods of time where I was sitting, you know, standing, waiting for a ride or, or maybe taking a break. She went somewhere else sitting with myself and I didn't have a phone. And because I didn't have a phone, I actually felt like all of a sudden I started to relax and I felt like I was alive because I wasn't distracting myself every second with wow. something. And so I'm not distracting myself. And now I can, I'm, I'm included. There's an inclusivity about, you know, just being part of a community. When you're looking at a phone, you're not part of a community. I mean, you might think you are. Being part of a community is being able to see other, connect with other people. It's a, it's a physical thing. It's not, a, it's not something that happens through a screen, I don't believe. It's a, it's a different thing. Yeah, you know, and of course, it changes the whole game when it comes to popularity, right? So what's going on with the phones and what's going on with social media networks, this is an element that we didn't have to deal with growing up. This is an element that really changes the game because before it was just, a, you know, kids walking down the hallway, looking at each other, talking to each other. Now it's feeds, feed after feed after feed. And you can really curate and produce the image of yourself that you want. You can really work on honing that aspect of status that we were talking about. And I think the the subheading of the book popular that I am referencing has the words status obsessed in it. And I believe we are status obsessed and we're not going to be able to get rid of the technology. So how do we help our kids become more likable in this technological era. Once in a while, it's gonna, you're gonna be able to leave your phone in the car, which is beautiful. I love when that happens. And Ed, I love that you didn't have anxiety over it. It was more, it was a point of relaxation for you, the disconnection, mm. which is really like a reconnection, right? A reconnection yeah. to the world, right? Yeah. But well, how you get are, bigger. Yeah. Yes. But how are we gonna teach our kids to be likable online, to be authentic, to be real, to show up as themselves? By teaching them, like you, you were mentioning, one, that one thing is by teaching them to be interested in others and to be interested in giving to others. And so being of service in whatever way that is and being, in, being curious about others and being curious about, look, if you're going to use the computer, if you're going to use your phone to connect to the world, then connect to the world. Like, like check out you know, who's on the other side of the globe. Check out other people. Check out what other cultures are doing. You know, help people who are lonely and alone and reach out to them. Yes. And, and get into that world, being the being of service online. How can I do that? There's a great app that's called These Are My Eyes, I think is it called. It's a service for the blind. It's a very large organization. And it's blind people who tap into this thing when they need to, they need help in reading something or asking a question. And then you 
Oh, be my eyes, I think is what it's called. And and it just rings on your phone. And then you you're you're connected to somebody in Ireland and they have a question about what's on this can of soup, you know? And you, you know, how do I read this or what a and, and it's amazing. It's amazing. But that's an example of like that is, you know, community. That's technology working to connect you to other people. I think we have to do things like that and be really intentional about, okay, I am going on Facebook, I am going on Instagram, I am going on, you know, whatever the other piece of social media is or property is that you're going on. And I'm going to actually connect with someone. I'm not just going to click like or heart or whatever, Mm -hmm. or favorite or whatever. I am going to actually maybe direct message someone, I'm going to send a message of gratitude, or I'm going to connect online with the intention of also connecting offline, right? So I'm going to go look, maybe I'm going to browse through the feed, but then I'm going to intentionally next time I run into my friend or whomever that I saw posting stuff, I'm going to ask them about it. I'm going to be curious about it. I almost think we literally need to consciously attend to these actions because it becomes a very unconscious process when we are online, we're flipping through, right? Or we're scrolling through, we're clicking like, 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 like. And so in order to help our kids cultivate likability online, I think we need to talk about it. I think it needs to be intentional. I think it needs to be cultivated. And follow it up and follow it up with them. What did you see online? What did you see in the feed? Go ask that person about it. Gee, I noticed something interesting that you posted the other day. What is that about? There was a, fr- a friend of mine, Kevin Rooney, great comedy writer, great comedian, and he had this thing where he, he called it face to Facebook. And what it was is that he wanted to meet all the people in the town that he lived in that were his Facebook friends. So he invited them all to come down physically and he would buy them a cup of coffee and they met at the farmer's market here in L.A. And he had hundreds of people come down and they were all his Facebook friends. But now they were talking in person. They were, they, you know, it was face to Facebook. So what do we do when our kids come to us and they're not popular, right? I was that kid going to my mom and I don't know if I use that word, but she got it. She understood what I meant when I was telling her the stories of what was going on at school and what it meant was I felt lonely. I felt like I wasn't being included you know, and that social exclusion was painful. You will note that, you know, when kids are left out and when any of us is left out, not just a kid, but we use words that sound like physical pain, right? We say mm. things like heartbreak sometimes, mm. right? Mm. It is painful. It is physically painful. It lights up the same part of the brain as when you are in pain. Sure. So she really got it at the what my mom, my loving, compassionate, amazing mom would say to me is, don't worry about it because it's not going to matter much when you're older. And, you know, we love you as a family and that's all that really matters. But that's not what matters to a kid a lot of times. And we can't fault them for it. We know now that we are wired to want to be popular and be likable and be included, right? So we really have to listen. And Ed, you are such a good listener. He's, you guys, you have to know that Ed is one of the best, most mindful listeners ever. You know, so you can really teach that skill of listening. How do you do it? How do you really listen when your kids, when your daughter is talking or someone else is talking to you? Well, I I always sort of try to hear what they're, you know, who who they are and what they're saying. And so, you know, so I'm interested. I mean, I'm, I'm I've just always been interested in in what people say, and I think that people will tell you who they are 
by what they say and by the way that, that they say it. So I try to reflect it back to them. I try to say, gee, that's really interesting what you what you brought up about what your mom. So your mom was very instrumental in your in your life. She really she I guess she got you or I guess she heard you. So if you were to say something like that to me, I would I would question you about it. Just start asking. You know, one of the things is just to be curious and to ask questions. You know, that's an everybody has interesting things that they're saying, even if even if it's the, seems like the most boring thing, they still there is an interesting thing about everybody. So just ask, you know, I'm curious. You can actually start with the phrase. I'm curious. I'm curious. What did your mom teach you? What did you pick up from her? Because it sounds like she was really trying to reach you. I mean, I've just always had that. I don't work at it. I've, I've always kind of had it. It's a part of the way I grew up. I don't know. Maybe I grew up that way because I, I was sensing that it was, a, it was a way to connect with other people in my family. But it, it is kind of like a part of who I am naturally. But anyway, but I, what I would say to parents, and to, I would say to parents or to kids, I would say, just listen. Just, just, listen. You just listen to what people are saying. And then follow up with some, ask them a question. Just ask mm -hmm. them anything. Mm -hmm. Ask them a question. And then you'll start to engage with them. Yeah, I have something I want to ask you. You know, uh, online, in person, you don't feel popular. You don't, you don't feel part of something. You connect with somebody. Don't, don't wait for them. You go out. You say, I don't feel included. I'm going to connect with someone. I'm going to do it. There's always somebody to connect with. There's always somebody to connect with. Just ask him a question. So we usually do role plays on this show. So I think that it is time for a role play. What okay. should we role play today? Well, I will tell you that I don't feel, you know, I, I mean, I don't have any, nobody pays attention to me. I guess what, what and I'll frame it for you. I'm going to role play. This is a, probably a very typical thing. Your child comes home. They come home from school, and this is the phrase that they're going to use. And you can be, you can be my parent, or you can do it with me if you want. I'll be the parent. But you, you tell me, you know, talk about the fact that you don't feel seen. Talk. Why don't you? Why don't you? I'm going to be. Me? I'm going to be me. You be you. you. I'm going to be you me. as a kid. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Dad. Hey. Oh, schools. I don't. You know what? It would have been so much easier. Maybe you guys should have never moved here from India. I feel like such a weirdo sometimes. Mm. Like nobody oh. really gets me. And hmm. sometimes they say really horrible things. And like I have Christine, but I don't know. I just, I'm never going to be like, you know, I'm never going to be popular. I already know that. Like I'm in... I'm in seventh grade. Like, I'm probably never going to go to a dance. Like, it's just, it sucks. Um, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, honey. I hear that you, I hear that it doesn't feel very good. And you feel kind of, am I right in hearing you that you, you feel, well, you feel like it sucks, but you probably feel, do you feel lonely? Is that what it is? Well, kind of, but I just th wish things were different. Like, mm. I just wish that, you know, I was like April, like she walks in and everyone surrounds her and she always has a million people to sit with. And like, mm. I don't get it. I'm, mm. I mean, I'm much nicer than she is. 
I just don't understand, you know, yeah. like, yeah, doesn't feel, I doesn't don't wear those clothes and stuff. I don't know. I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to be different than who I am. Yeah. Well, that for you, that's something that's really great that you just said that you don't know how to be different than who you are. And the thing is that you don't have to be different than who you are. You don't have to be at all different because who you are is amazing. It's great. And you don't have to be different. Now, the different people have different friends. They have different experiences. You be who you are. But let me ask you this. I'm going to miss out on all the fun. Like, they seem like they're having so much fun. Yeah. What about me? Yeah. I'm just going to be here with you and dad and my well, brother. I don't want to hang out with him. Well, let's not... Like, Play I'm that down. We're pretty. We're pretty amazing people. You have to admit. No, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just saying to you that you can actually connect to somebody else because what I'm going to tell you, and you're going to find this hard to believe, there is someone out there. There is someone in your school. There is someone in your neighborhood. There is somebody amongst your friends who feels exactly the same way that you do. But the only way to find somebody else to connect with is to go out and connect with them. So you find, who amongst your circle, who is interesting to you? Who is, who is somebody that you're curious about? Is there anybody or any person or any activity, anything you're curious about her? Yeah. Start asking her questions about herself. Come up with a list of a few questions and ask Christine some questions. And just, just listen, try to find out some more information about who Christine is and how she, what, what's important to her, what's interesting to her, what she likes, what she doesn't like, what, how she spends her time, and just start talking with her. And you'll see that it will lead to something. I don't know what it's going to lead to, but it will lead to something greater. I, I promise you that. So, so spend your time involved in trying to connect and include other people. If you see somebody in your school who doesn't look like they feel like they belong or they feel like they're on the outside of something, I'm not talking about the people who are obviously, you know, popular and connected to others. I'm talking about the other people. Find them and start asking them questions about themselves as an experiment. Let's do it as an experiment for a day and we'll see how it goes. You'll see what happens. And then we're going to talk about it. You're going to, we're going to have a conversation about what happened. Think of a couple good questions you want to ask people. Okay. See where it leads. I feel better, Dad. Well, I'm glad one of us feels better. <laughs> Those conversations are hard, you know, because you want to give your child an in-the-moment fix. You want to heal it for them. You don't want them to bear this pain, especially when it comes to social exclusion. But I think what happens when we long for popularity is that we really don't attend to the good, beautiful things in our life and the friendships we have and the relationships we have. And that attention can be given with gratitude, with conversations about what's going well, with just really savoring the connections that we do have. And a lot of that can be done in ritual, you know. And like I said, Dr. Princeton, he was able to share with me, you know, how did you include someone today in something that you were doing? And that's important because that can help us really appreciate what we have and increase our likability factor and really know that 
where we are right now is okay. It's even well, good. I, I like, I like, you said something. There's a friend of yours who asks questions like she'll, she'll say, what's going, instead of saying what's going on, she'll say, what's good? Yes, what's good? That's a great one. What's good? Just ask yourself, what's good? What's good? And use that to connect with other people. And, and gratitude is another great thing. I mean, what am I grateful for? Is there anything? What am I grateful for, you know, in this moment? But including other people is a skill. That's a skill that you can practice. A good way to include people is to ask them questions. Yes, absolutely. Asking questions out of genuine curiosity. All right. Well, I think we're going to have to wrap up for the day or for the week, rather. Yeah, we're going to wrap I, up. But yeah. I did want to let you know, speaking of who says what's good, that is my colleague and friend, Emilia, we'll get ready for her last name, Zivatovskaya. Oh, my God. Um, that took some practice. <laughs> She's the greatest. She's the greatest. <laughs> she is. And her and I, uh, she is the founder and CEO of the Flourishing Center. And her and I have created the Positive Education Certification Program, where we train teachers, we train educators in the science of positive psychology and how to bring it into the classroom. So we've been doing this for about two years now. And the next cohort is starting in February. I'm telling you early right now. So if you're listening, you know, real time, then it's a few months away, but it's going to be starting in February of 2020. And I encourage you to sign up. It's at positiveeducator.org. And I want to say that I've, I've done that. And I found it fantastic. And and talk about community building and feeling included. That group was one of the nicest uh, groups I've been part of. And it was, it was really a positive experience for me. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a group. Thank you for that. There, it is a group of change-making educators, basically, that want to bring the science of well-being to their schools. So we teach you everything and beyond, you know, what what we learned ourselves in our master's degree program at the University of Pennsylvania. And you will take all of the cutting-edge science and be able to implement it into your classroom. So I'm really, really proud of this certification. I feel like you go through it. It is transformative for the teacher. And then you get the tools to pass it right on to the students. So again, it's at positiveeducator.org. And where can you find this podcast and all the other episodes? Got me. No, uh, you can <laughs> you can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Google Play or Stitcher or iTunes. If you want to go on iTunes, you can find us at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash dear anxiety and what if you want to write in what if you want to what if you want to connect with us or tell us first of all thank you again for all your subscribing subscriptions for passing the word for passing the links and for giving us good reviews we really need them we enjoy them and we want you to keep joining keep keep being uh, keep participating in the community so if you wanted to ask us some questions or make some comments what would they do Rini? You can email us at go at gozen.com and just use the subject line, Dear Anxiety, or you can go to gozen.com forward slash Dear Anxiety. There's a form there and that comes right to us. And we would love to hear from you. Yeah. And there's also going to be, I mean, some of the things that, that connect to the themes that we talk about on the show, you, you can find that on gozen.com. You can find that when you look, uh, when you look for Dear Anxiety. We want to thank you for listening to the show. If you have some subjects, if you have some some stories or some something that you want to share about 
about popularity or about any subject, please connect with us. And keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Chain. We will see you next time. Bye, guys. Dear Anxiety is also on YouTube. Oh, so, we might have to cut that out because all oh, the episodes are not there. <laughs> oh, they're not there anymore. Okay. No, there are some episodes, but we didn't put all the, we didn't upload all the episodes. Well, that's a real shame. Um, okay. <laughs>